Hey there! Welcome to One Tired Teacher, Episode 16, Engaging Students with Fun and Learning from One Another. Today I have a special guest, Math Mojo, who is Alexis Sergi. Alexis and I discuss the significant impact on students when we take the time to make learning fun. We also take a side turn and discuss the untapped potential of learning from one another. Alexis is the creator of many brilliant teacher resources and always provides a fresh perspective on teaching and learning. I hope you stick around. Welcome to One Tired Teacher. And even though she may need a nap, this teacher is ready to wake up and speak her truth about the trials and treasures of teaching. Here she is, wide awake. Wait, she's not asleep right now, is she? She, she is awake, right? Okay. From Trina Debery Teaching and Learning, your host, Trina Debery. Hey! So last week on One Tired Teacher, I started a new series on high engagement in the classroom. If you missed my conversation with Chris Kessler from Kessler Science in episode 15, be sure to go back and listen. Chris had a lot to share about the importance of engaging your most reluctant learners. Before we hear more about the importance of engaging kids with fun, meaningful learning content with Math Mojo, I would like to give a shout out to one of my listeners who shared her comment from last week on my website, Trina Debery Teaching and Learning, one ty- backslash one tired teacher. Andrea says, this was a great episode and a great reminder from both of you to make sure we're making the effort to reach those who are hard to reach, especially emotionally. When kids feel safe and heard, they'll accept the invitation to learn. And when the lessons are that engaging, how can they say no? Thank you, Andrea, for that thoughtful comment. And I agree 100%. I'd love to hear from more of you. So leave a review on iTunes or a comment on my blog, and I'll give you a shout out on the show. So that takes us to another outstanding educator who had who has dedicated her life to making learning more engaging. I'm so happy to have Math Mojo, Alexis Sergi, on the show. Alexis and I have known each other for over a decade. It's been quite a while. It's getting closer to two decades, actually. (laughs) And we've had a long history together of teaching and, um, and being on a leadership team that opened a school. And we've also shared some very personal moments of births with babies and divorces for me or divorce and all kinds of life events. And she is just an amazing person. And I'm very excited that she's here today. Alexis, welcome to One Tired Teacher. And I'm so excited that you're here. And we would love to, to hear a little bit more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I have taught um, I've been teaching on and off since 1998, and I've basically taught from kindergarten to college. Mm. I started out teaching 101 classes and thought kids were much more interesting. So <laughs> I started teaching. Um, I changed to late at a 180 and started teaching elementary. You know, went in to get my master's for elementary education. And um, I've taught in two countries and three states. Wow. And I, yeah. And now I'm developing educational resources as my full-time job. That's very exciting. That's quite a um, a, a variety of like ranges as far as yeah. like early to later to older. And what is what do you think was your favorite of those? Fourth grade, fourth, fourth and fifth grade. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just wondering personally, I wanted to know that. (laughs) I I liked it right in the middle. Um, College kids, you know, I really worked hard to make it engaging, but you know, they were, I was teaching a one-on-one intro class. Everybody had to take it. Um, it was speech and dramatic art. So it was outside of a lot of kids' comfort zones and I worked to make them feel comfortable, but I really like, um, you know, nine and 10 year olds, eight, nine, 10 year olds are my favorite age. Oh, that's neat. That's exciting. And I know that you have a very successful store on Teachers Pay Teachers called um, Math Mojo, and you sell some incredible resources on there. Definitely things that make kids fall in love with math, which <laughs> which I think can sometimes, well, for some kids, it's definitely their favorite subject. And then for other kids, it's a little bit difficult, but you have figured out how to like make all kids love math. And I know again from experience because I watched my daughter just like that was probably her best math year ever in her life. And she did come on, go on thanks to you to like actually appreciate math because she was in the math club in high school. And so <laughs> she, yeah, she liked math. I, I attribute that all to you and you're making munchy math and making it so fun. <laughs> Well, it all started with making resources with, I started making the things that I really wanted and needed for my own classroom. And I just wasn't finding them from big publishers. So I spent a lot of time making things. And then that really made me realize that that's really where my passion lies in developing resources and planning, um, engaging things for kids. That's exciting. So do you still, because I know this is another thing that I know, because one time I walked into your classroom and you were dressed up as, I think it was Bob the deflated balloon or something like that. And you were teaching a writing lesson and it was so hilarious about, um, I think kids not adding like voice or details or something to their writing. (laughs) It was like when you're writing and kind of stuck in a formula rut and you're writing the same story. Or same thing over and over. So when I taught, I told my kids there was a magical place called Plauslandia. And I would come out dressed as these crazy characters to help them remember important things. <laughs> like the thing that you're like, if you get one thing for me, I really want this to be. So I picked those key lessons. Um, and I did it for both math and writing. Um, but that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that's so fun. I um yeah. I totally love that. I I mean, I tried to do something similar with Queen Grammatica, and I thought that was really cool yeah. too. She also yeah. came out of the closet. <laughs> yes, I yeah, um, I yeah. Their magical portal, and they like it grew. The story grew for years and years because I did it for so many years, and they're like, "Oh, the teacher that dresses up," you know. Um, and so there was this whole mythology about my closet having a magical portal to Clauslandia, and everyone was the same height as I was in Clauslandia. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, you're, see, in fourth grade, you're going to have to get a little more creative because they start to understand. But in second grade, they actually thought there was like a secret passageway that oh. I could get. And then I would have um, my cell phone where, where she would, like where they would call and tell me that they had arrived, all the different characters, except for the punctuation oh. prowler. That was the only one that had to do a little bit of a sneak appearance. Right. Yeah. But um, that was so fun. I just yeah. remember that being fun. Do you do any writing resources in your in your store, in your Math Mojo store? <laughs> I do um, some seasonal writing because um, I think that there's right when, when you get to like different holidays and seasons, um, like Christmas or end of the year, I have a lot of resources for that for writing, but my real focus has been on math. But mm-hmm. I try to 
some engaging writing things where kids kind of get to explore in the state where I teach writing now has become a pretty big formulaic process. So I try to have some resources that support that, but kind of let kids explore their creative side, but mostly I do math. And that's the beauty of your um, products, which I'll actually link to your store in the show notes. Um, but I, I definitely think that's the beauty of it is you take, even when there's like something that's mandated, such as like a form, formulaic or whatever um, type of writing, like if you're, if you're mandated to, to do this formula writing, you take some, that and you, you go along with what's supposed to, what they're supposed to be doing, what teachers are supposed to teach, but then you add an element that allows kids to fall in love with it. And that's the thing that I think is so special about about you, about your what you create, and also about you as a teacher. Um, I know that, like, I think that that has a lot to do with, I believe it has a lot to do with engaging students. So what are your, why do you feel that it's, that it's so important to engage students? Well, I'm just going to be super honest, like long division sometimes is boring. <laughs> and for learning your multiplication facts, it's not, you know, if you're just expected to just sit and never move and, you know, just do worksheet after worksheet. I think that kids, I mean, that's not connecting anything to, to, to kids and what kids need and what they enjoy. Now there are, there are times you have to sit down and do some long division or, you know, long multiplication or addition or subtraction. But I think what I try to do is make it engaging and fun and give teachers lots of options mm-hmm. to get kids moving and, um, you know, just a whole other piece of this is I don't, I feel like in school it's, it's getting more and more prescribed how we spend our day and how much time you spend on things. And I think that by really engaging kids, we're practicing some of those skills, like life skills, like how do you work with a partner? How do you um, interact with people? How do you win and lose with grace and dignity? How do you, you know, do a lot of those just basic life Mm -hmm. skills and how do you develop strategies and solve problems while playing games? And a lot of those basic life strategies are not included in modern day curriculums. And so I think that we have to find a way to still inject those in. Oh, I totally agree with you. And that and that that comes down to like teaching the whole child. Yeah. And, and like trying to have a plan for them to fall in love with learning forever for like the rest right. of their life. And right. I think that is so important. Um so you're talking about some of those prescribed programs and things that have to be done certain ways. Do you find that to be an obstacle, an obstacle to creating engaging lessons for students? Well, I think that, that there's always a way to figure out how to engage kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that it can be a challenge, but I'm up for a challenge. You know, I taught Mm -hmm. for years with a really prescriptive writing program and I still came in, you know, I added Bob the balloon to my lessons or, um, you know, even though I had a really scheduled map, math, map, I found ways to spiral and, um, spiral their learning, do lots of practice, do games, do reviews and get them up and moving with things like scoot. So I think that it definitely makes it more challenging, Mm -hmm. but I think that, that if you have, a little bit of freedom in your classroom that you can still, still be the teacher that you want. Yes. And at at least in small ways, if not every minute of the day. You got to find it. You just have to find it, which takes a little bit more work. Yeah. I mean, and so what do you think is the most challenging obstacle? Um, the most challenging obstacle to what? 
to being able to create those kind of lessons or be, or to be able to reach like all different kinds of kids? I think it's probably time and being able to plan and find the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that would probably be it. And that's why I started creating the resources for TPT. And now why I do it full time. Uh, you know, I had a really great principal early in my career. Um, and she said to me, it really doesn't matter what program we pick. It really doesn't matter as much as teachers' enthusiasm and how teachers present it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think there are some programs that are better than others for sure. But yes. I think I've carried that with me throughout my teaching career because I really think that as a teacher, it is what you make of it. And um, sometimes it's hard, but I think that you can work really hard to figure out a way to make it more engaging. And that's why, you know, like in my Math Mojo store, for example, I mean, I'm a mom of three kids mm-hmm. teaching full time with three small children and like trying to get dinner on the table and get the kids to their sports practices. Yes. It's nearly impossible. So I really learned how to do things with like little preparation, but high engagement. Or, you know, I learned a whole bunch of tricks. Um, but I think time is the biggest obstacle that a lot of teachers have. We all know what we would like our classroom to be you're like, right. but it's just having the time to do it. Especially when you're, when you're teaching all the subjects in elementary school. Yes. So okay. So if you have people that are teaching multiple subjects, then I think you're absolutely right too. Like that makes it even harder because you want yeah. to do engaging activities and lessons and you have all these exciting ideas in your mind, but you, the roadblock of time becomes like a roadblock that's really difficult to get around. That's why I think I think stores that are found in in Teachers Pay Teachers, I think that's I think that's why they're so beneficial and why they've also been successful because they've been able to give teachers back some of their time. Well yeah and I I mean I remember when I was teaching everything and my kids were my kids still are little. I mean I still have school aged children. Um but you know, it was like a juggling act. I was like, you know, we were supposed to do phenomenal reading lessons, phenomenal writing lessons, phenomenal math lessons. And don't forget social studies and science will really engage the kids. And it was like, and you know, it was a really big juggling act. Absolutely. And don't forget to differentiate because you got to do that on top of all of that. Got to have the gradual release responsibility model. Small group. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and small group. Yeah. And so, you know, that might not be for every teacher, but I think for many teachers, just having the time to do everything they want to do in the classroom and have engaging resources for every subject. That's just challenging. I agree. The elementary teacher. So what type of strategies or tips or ideas would you give to the listeners to make learning fun? Well, I think starting with, um, you know, if you're at the basic level of you just are a new teacher and you just have like a math textbook, I would say, Find one thing to get really good at. You could get really good at doing math games, do a fun Friday or, you know, have a fun Friday math game and interject it into your centers the next week. Or you could get really good at like making math PowerPoints. I think that a starting point is Mm -hmm. like gradually adding things to your teacher toolkit and getting good at one thing at a time. Um, All on, you could potentially go crazy. No, you're right. And I think that, I, I think that, was a key factor for me. Like I would get really excited about something that I learned in to teach writing. And then all of a sudden I would be, I would be doing that for my reading lessons and I would also want to make math fun. And then I would be trying to do this new thing in writing. And then, well, how is it going to teach social studies? And it was, 
it was overwhelming. I felt overwhelmed sometimes about things like that. So I think that makes a lot of sense to take one thing at a time and focus on something. Like if you want to incorporate escape rooms in your classroom or you want to do games in your classroom, then get really good at making making that, making that one yeah. thing. And maybe or even starting with one subject. You know, like maybe you don't even have to be the person that makes it, but you learn how to like manage like all the parts and pieces of a game yes. or you, you have, for, you might, you might get the games from your math series and you might get the games from TBT or the escape rooms or whatever you're doing, but becoming a really good manager and facilitator of those things too. And routines and procedures. Like if you're going to have a more engaging classroom, routines and procedures are really key. Um, yeah, I agree. Keeping it from being chaos. Absolutely. So that would be another piece, you know, just making sure that you practice and give, you know, I'd get really excited in my early days of teaching about things and I would start doing them. And then my room would look like a bomb exploded in it because, you know, kids <laughs> were everywhere and we were all excited. And at the end of the day, I didn't think about the packing up or the distributing materials or all those, those types of things. Yes. And those are really important. And sometimes I think we have to utilize our strengths as well. Like maybe the making of the game isn't our strength, but the facilitation of it is, or maybe we're really good at organization or, you know, just determining all those, pro those procedures and routines, but we need help with the creative aspect, which is right. definitely where like something like your store would come in. So I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I was more the creative person and mm -hmm. I had to like really rely heavily on other people to learn. You know, I, I, I shared a classroom with someone for a couple of years. I, we, but we shared and we were about like a 50, 50 type thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I taught in the afternoons and I learned a ton from her about simple ways to manage things and really realized that like, I'm great at making up the games, but wow, you know, a person that's a master at classroom management I, I would have a lot to gain from that person. Yeah, I love that though. Do, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that about sharing a classroom. I mean, and, and that's kind of like, I mean, you actually shared a classroom yes. and you've also done platooning or departmentalizing, which right. I've d done platooning with a partner. And you kind of see a lot, it really helps you even when you're, I mean, both of us were farther along in our career when we did that. And it's interesting to see like, wow, I have so much that I can learn from another person. Right. And, you know, we really don't as educators, at least in America, have that time to take the peek into um, anyone else's classroom or really see often how people run things. And it's amazing what we could learn. Probably, you know, that's probably the biggest untapped potential in American education is each other. I, you know, I agree. Yeah, as the expert. Because yeah, we're just happens. never referred to as the expert. And actually, when we are, it's sometimes looked it's frowned upon. Like, how dare you, even, even with a store, like how dare you create a resource and not share it with everyone in the world for free. And, um, I mean, we have got a lot of that going on and we don't lean on each other and learn from one another. We're really not given enough time and we're really not considered right. an expert in some cases. Yeah. I mean, when I'm thinking back to teaching, you know, you have a short planning period and lunch, but for me, lunch, you know, it was, Sometimes you had to make the decision, do I use the bathroom, eat lunch, use the bathroom, make a phone call or eat lunch and make the phone call. It was like, not always all three were, you know, you don't always have time for all three. No, you're right. You kind of have to prioritize. And that is yeah. difficult 
Like, and so, going to the bathroom is priority one, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, you know, we're laughing about that now, but I think that that's something that, you know, people just don't understand about education is how difficult it is to learn from each other or ever see what anyone else is doing in the classroom because your day is so consumed. I mean, from the minute the bell rings till the end of the day, there aren't a whole lot of times. No, you're right. And I think that that's really important because we can gain so much from one another. I mean, I recently was talking to another coworker, you worked with her as well. um, Uh And uh, she was on as a guest, Melanie Redden, and we oh, were talking about, yeah, and we were talking, actually her, her show at this point has, uh, well, at this point, I guess it would have aired already, but it's, right. it's episode eight talking about team building. And we were discussing how important it is to like, like learn and like to value one another and to learn from each other. And I'll also, um, link to that one in the show notes, but she, she, I one time had her come over because I was having a really hard time teaching my kids double digit subtraction with regrouping, which I should could have used the help of math mojo. But at the time (laughs) I had the help of Melanie, thank goodness. And she'd been teaching for, you know, a lot less years than I had, but I, she was really good at it. And instead of like staying in my, I will figure this out all by myself and I can do it. And I'm not going to ask anyone that's taught less than I have. Instead of having that kind of mentality, I like, I took her strength and I'm like, please come help me. My kids are not getting this. I need help. And I had her come over and she actually taught a lesson in my room. And, um, you know, the administrator came in, of course, when this was happening and I'm like sitting back in the back of the room and he's probably thinking, what are you doing? But, um, but I needed to see it. I needed her to model it. And I also needed my kids to gain the insight that she was like so clearly giving her own students and I needed help. And I think like doing things like that, like, I think it's really important to be able to see each other and we don't have the time, but I, I think that we need to figure out how to make the time because those kind of opportunities are priceless. Right. Well, and I think things like your podcast are opening the door and like blogs and podcasts are opening the door to a lot of conversations mm-hmm. about that. And people are right. opening up their classrooms. I mean, for the first time, Ever since you know the internet, I can get a peek in someone's classroom in Iowa, or listen to a podcast about oh, how yeah. someone in Florida, where I actually am, but how <laughs> someone in Florida um, manages their classroom versus someone in West Virginia or California, and we can hear some of those conversations that I think are important and affirming to have. I, but I agree. We just often don't have time. It's again yeah. that the whole time factor. You're right, which hints the podcasting so that when you're driving and you're trying to steal any few minutes, then then right. you maybe you can in that case. Or while you're cleaning your room because you didn't have that policy in, or procedure in place <laughs> and your room is a disaster, you can be listening to a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, kids still sneeze like on your table. You well, that's true. Yeah, so that's true. So it doesn't true. matter how um, many policies and procedures you have. It is like <laughs> A kid's going to sneeze on your table and your mouth will be coughed into and some kid's going to spray it, say it at least once right directly in your face. Probably (laughs) not. It's just a fact of teaching. You're right. And usually when they're sick. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Definitely. Oh my goodness. For them. Yes. Someone threw up on my purse once too, but that's another story. Disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. I no longer have that purse. They can't (laughs) tell me to go to the bathroom and then. 
I guess my purse was the nearest thing. And so they threw up in it. <laughs> I have not heard that one before. That is really gross. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that you touched on something that was important and that's learning from, from one another and, or even spending time with, with your colleagues or your coworkers. Yeah. I mean, I can remember, and I know you're going to remember this when the first grade teachers used to have a sleepover at school and you and I stayed and we slept over because my daughter was in first grade. And so we spent the night in my room and we were so excited about getting all of our end of the year things finished and, and be ready for the next year. And yeah, even just spending that time together, like I saw what you were doing, you saw what I was doing and yes, we were in totally different grade levels, but I mean, it it definitely gave me ideas, more ideas. Yeah. 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 And it was fun. It was so fun. <laughs> Can you even imagine like the amount of like, like free work that we did at that time? <laughs> a lot. It was you know, a lot. I always had, like, you know, what would be a great beginning of the year team builder instead of like four corners or hand ups, you know, one of the traditional first staff meeting is every team gets together and like decorate something or make something for their classroom or talks about that kind of stuff in a real way that like they're actually going to hang up in their classroom, not just like turning in a sheet to the principal saying they did it or, you know, something like that, that would be like ultimate team builder. Like let's get ourselves ready for this year. Let's make covers together. I love that. Yeah. Instead of, yeah, that would be such a team builder because we're all going to like decorate each other's hallways or whatever you need to do to have something taken off your plate and make it fun at the same time. Yes. That's what I always thought. Yeah. yeah that's a good idea. Like, yeah. When we did team builders, I always thought, you know what my ideal team builder would be? Like, let's get some work done together. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but we do tend to go off into our own little corners yeah. and spend a lot of time alone, which sometimes teaching can be lo- a lonely profession when we, when, it's, when we do things like that. Well, they say, you know, there was that thing that said, shut the door and teach. And mm-hmm. yes, but I think that that, that works in some situations and there have certainly been years in my career where I kind of just had to shut the door and teach. But like, I feel like that is a recipe to wither on the vine and we need to open our doors to one another and find like, you know, I found you my first year at the school where we started together. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I needed someone that fed that side of me and yeah, you know, it, didn't work. it doesn't work for me. I'm a social animal and I need to mm-hmm. open the door. I just can't shut the door and teach. And I think that that is where you have to find someone in your school or in your district or that you went to school with or from a blog or listening to podcasts that can definitely be that part of you. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and whereas you're more social than I am, I still need to find people that get me. And you, that's what you were. Like you totally got me. And like we were excited about the same things and we, and we, and not that you, we had to agree with everything. I don't mean that, but I yeah. mean, I don't know. And like, sometimes we didn't. And those challenges were also something that I really appreciated because they pushed me outside of my, my own box. And I think yeah. that's important as well. Yeah. Okay. So back to like, to Engage. engaging kids. Yeah. <laughs> like with, with the way that the current population of kids, like with their instant gratification, everything is right now. They they have access to everything, things that we can't even imagine. How do you how do you utilize this current like technology? Basically, how do you utilize this current technology, or or 
if you're not utilizing technology, like how do you utilize that same kind of mindset of being able to access information or being able to like wanting it to be like an instant gratification? Well, I think that definitely like with things like Google Classroom and Google, you know, I've experimented with that some and Mm -hmm. um, I I like that because people can work collaboratively on, you know, using devices and things like that. But I think just teaching this generation of kids, I think that it's just different. And one of the things that I had to do was, you know, really um, kind of, you know, math was like between 60 and 75 minutes and I had to divide up that time or I used games or scoot or something where kids were moving and more active and able to collaborate and talk to each other and not just, you know, or using a Kagan structure, like numbered heads together Mm -hmm. um, and not just sitting and, and doing, you know, long division for hours or multiplication, right. Or an hour. Um, they have to, you know, we used, I mean, this is low tech, but you could also use tablets or things like that. Um, but we would, you know, everybody would write their answers on whiteboards and hold them up. And then I could gauge quickly who was number one, doing it, doing the problems and doing the practice. And number two, who was getting it and who wasn't. Um, and then like, yeah, in terms of things like games, um, I think that kids like, I mean, they'll play for hours and hours and hours. They'll sit in front Mm -hmm. of a video game and learn these like elaborate cheat codes and which I don't even really understand what cheat codes are and like (laughs) games and like they, they're kids that can build worlds in Minecraft Uh and I'm tapping into that. And so with games, we talk about like, you can develop a strategy for this game. What could you do? You know, I have some games that are board games and some games that are more strategy based and what strategy could you use? How could you work with a partner or block the person that you're playing? How can you figure this out? And there are kids that, you know, the ones that create a Minecraft world on the video screen also like they love that, um, the thinking and the strategizing. Into the way of thinking, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be replicating like a video game or any of that, but tap into that t- type of thinking. And also, you know, you're gonna, I think that that activities and lessons have to be varied and shorter. You know, they uh, yeah, might, I agree. They whole class practice, they do five or 10 problems on their own, then they move to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you get a lot more engaged work time. I, I think you're right. Work. I think those and like broken up in that and like in those quick like little quick transitions yeah something else I think that's definitely a huge key especially to this generation of of students and Um, physical because it can be a really long time mm -hmm. like I might physical I'm sorry I missed that physical what I think that you sometimes need to take breaks where the kids do something physical oh yeah be silly like mirror me dancing but it could also be like do five times five jumping jacks or find something in the room that's a parallel line or something like that um, where they get to move their bodies and, and really just get out of that sitting doing work mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, with technology, I see some programs in schools where the kids are doing like, um, I don't want to name a specific program, but they're Ugh, yes. at a computer screen and, doing math problems and there'll be like a little video or whatever. And I don't, I see kids that even love like video games and technology being really turned off by that. 
Well, it's a um, long time of sitting. Like you're doing, yeah. you're, you're, it's a going against what we're saying, like, you know, limiting screen time. Yet then we come up with this program and then you're sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. It's, it's, right. it's definitely, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's a cr- contradiction to what we think is best practice. Exactly. And I think that, um, right. And I think, you know, that way we're giving kids, it is good in the fact that we're giving kids immediate feedback. So some of that's good, but I think that the struggle is, you know, it's kind of just like a glitzy worksheet. I mean, we used to talk about dittos in the eighties, <laughs> the ones that you'd sniff as soon as they came off the ditto machine. Yes. <laughs> I really hope I didn't like damage my nose or brain because I, I love a fresh ditto in the eighties, but, um, you know, it was all purple. Yeah. It's like the millennial version of dittos. Um, yes. you know, you're sitting there and, and we also aren't really allowing kids to understand like fail, failure or defeat because it's constantly just feeding them really specific bites of things. And you know what I mean? It's, it, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting turn in how we're using technology in schools. And it's I definitely agree. a turn from where we were 10 or 15 years ago, whereas we were using technology more to be innovative. I think sometimes when we have these programs where they're trying to give teachers time and take things off their plate, I think that the intention's probably pretty good and help kids where they are. It sounds great, but I think in practice, you know, some kids really struggle with that. I think so too. And I think that what what you were saying about kids learning from even from failure and defeat, like some of them are feeling failure and defeat in those types of practices, but what are we doing with them? Like we're not, we don't have a human touch in that. And and I think we need a human touch when we're dealing with failure and defeat. And I think we need to know that. I think we need to learn from that rather than just constantly feel that. Yeah. I mean, you don't want your kids to fail, 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 but they need to learn what it feels like to struggle a little Yes, and they learn what it feels. Okay. I, didn't get this or I've made a mistake. How do I get back up up on my feet? How do I figure it out? How do I work backwards? And all of that is what's really important when we talk about that with schools. Um, Right. That's why I think like some technology, but some like really like playing games or interacting with each other. I think that, you know, we're, we're really taking a lot of that out, out of the schools right now. and, And that's what we need to be adding back in. I think so too. And when we add those kind of things back in, that's when I think we get kids to fall in love with learning. Oh, yeah. And I, I think when they feel passionately about learning and when they feel like there's a value, that's when they want to, like, that's when they search out answers. That's when they pick themselves right. back up from defeat. Right. Right. Because, you know, if it's just click, 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 um, I'm answering these questions. Oops, I got them wrong. I can just click, 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 click again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, I think that, that there's a lot of learning that happens in a struggle or there's a lot of learning that happens as you try new things and try to gain new information. And I think that that's really kind of important. And that's, and that's how we're going to engage our learners. Not just like there's not, and, and the hard part of that is there's not just a one-stop you can just do this or buy this one program and all your problems will be solved. You're right. It it takes more work than that. Well, I really appreciate this conversation and I'm sure that the listeners will too. I, you've said some, some really important things and I, I thank you very much. 
Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure as always to speak with you. (laughs) And it was a pleasure to speak with you too. All right, take care. Thank you for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Alexis always brings insight into education and she always makes me laugh. I'd love to hear your thoughts on opening the door to other teachers and learning from one another. Leave a review, rating, and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Next week, we'll be continuing on our high engagement journey. I hope to see you then. This one tired teacher is feeling wide awake, so I might need some calming tea. Sweet dreams to you and sleep tight.